0: Welcome to Claim the Stage, a podcast for women who want to discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. I'm your host, Angela Lucier, award-winning professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of The Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. You guys, today we are wrapping up our four part series on branding. I hope you have gotten a lot out of this. Today's episode should be no different. I am interviewing David Wolf, who is talking about the concept of a voice brand. And when I first heard about him, I had, I admittedly had never heard of a voice brand, but I thought that's probably something we should know about. <laughs> and I'm so glad I asked. It's something he invented, which I think is so cool when people invent stuff. So he'll talk about. What voice branding is and why it's important and how to do it and how his company helps people do it. I really enjoyed meeting David and I think he's a really good example of someone who's out there making stuff that's valuable and growing along with his company. I think you'll hear that in the way that he responds to some of my questions and the way that he presents his ideas. So before we get into the interview let me tell you a little bit about David. He is the founder and chief executive officer of Audavita Studio. For more than 32 years, David has been the creative director, music composer, and or the producer of content for radio, TV, film, podcasts, audiobooks and multimedia. He created and hosted the Small Biz America podcast from 2005 to 2018. He created the Autovita Studio to apply his experience and the talents and skills of his virtual creative team to help companies, publishers, entrepreneurs, influencers, and thought leaders grow their brands and businesses through podcasting, audiobooks, video, and internet radio. If any of that interests you, I think you're going to love today's episode. So without further ado, here's my interview with David. David Wolf, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Angela. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) I'm very excited to talk with you about this very mystical, magical thing called a voice brand. And I want to learn more about what that is. But before we get into it, you're the CEO and founder of Audavita. What does your company do?
1: Well, thanks for that. Um, At our core, we're an audio production company. Uh, We produce audiobooks and podcasts for thought leaders, authors, speakers, business professionals, and, uh, and the like. And so those are our two deliverables. We find that we are doing some video production these days simply because of the integration of the video uh, as a platform with our, with our podcasters. So, but that's the short answer to your question.
0: I was on your website earlier today and I saw that you have casting directors on your yeah. team. Tell me yeah. what they do, what is their role?
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah. So there's two ways we do audiobook production, uh, Angela. We work with a lot of authors that uh we where because they're the voice of their brand, and we'll talk about this later. Um they we decide together that it's a good idea for them to be the connectivity to market. So we record them remotely. Now the which is really your question is the other side, the other way we do audiobook production, usually the dividing line is fiction, nonfiction. So for fiction authors, you, you've got to have some acting chops to really be able to do dialogue, to be able to deal with the characterization and the story arc and the dramatic sequences and action sequences and whatever it might be. So we have a team, Steve and Kim. Uh, Steve's a dialect coach and Kim is, they're both voice actors. So they're, they understand the actor's uh, side of the equation and, uh, when we have a project that is more, we'll say, fiction-oriented, we'll conduct a casting call and literally we'll pull in anywhere from, you know, half a dozen to 12 different p- possibilities for voices for a given project. And they supervise and sort of oversee that whole process and t- through the selection of the talent.
0: What do you do if you have an author who really, really, really wants to read their own book, but they really shouldn't be reading their own book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first,
1: the, it's a great question. The first. Uh, And I'm sort of I have some biases around this, um, but it relates to everything I think that we're thinking about and we've telegraphed even before we started rolling today. Um, So we have we do deal with authors that um, they may not sound like professional voiceover talent. Um, And we deal with a wide spectrum of capacity with voicing on a microphone. You and I do this every day, but for folks that are an attorney, for example, or a a real estate professional, this is a a learning curve, and it's not for everybody. It does take some time. It's a particular kind of focus with a microphone that they may not be used to, even if they're used to working a room and speaking live as an NSA speaker, for example, or a keynote. Um, It's a different kind of thing, sitting with this focused energy, reading a manuscript and making it come alive off the page to one listener at a time is a different kind of thing and so through a conversation we have with them um i'll tell you that i really haven't had and i've been doing this a while we've done several hundred titles with authors i I can't tell you that i've actually had a okay i did have one i had (laughs) one time where i agreed to do the, the project um uh, the guy was a clergy. And so I thought, well, he speaks to large groups of people. He's probably very comfortable. And this was early in my career as an audiobook producer. And this was back when I was traveling. I used to travel to the locations and record them remotely long before we could do this through the internet, which is really how we do it now. So I go and I set up and and literally this was a case, a very, very extreme case where he was restarting every sentence he was reading every other word was a restart or a stutter. My, my editors were just going bonkers over this thing. And so that's the one exception. But out of several hundred of these, most of the time, uh, the folks that call us, that say they want to, they, they've sort of, uh, they're self-reflective enough that they know. Now, uh, just to finish the answer, sorry, it's a long-winded answer. Um, I've had a few professional technical types that are not as um, animated. And so our job as the producer on the other side of these recording sessions that we do remotely is to just help them deliver the best performance they're capable of delivering, whatever that takes. It might take recording a chapter again because they didn't just hit, hit their hit their stride until you know chapter two, let's say, or or some other phenomenon. But um, we we get through it, and and some of them are. St- spectacular and some of them are good and what i like to say is it's more important that they have an authentic connection with their performance to their audience their market than it be a perfectly pristine voiceover delivery because I've had authors who told me, you know, my last audio book before we started working with you, David, the last audiobook, uh, I had we hired somebody to do it and people, my fans came back and they said, hmm, it felt like it was disconnected because I knew it was your words and it was your voice in quotes, air quotes, but but it I, it felt disconnected because it wasn't you.
0: Yeah, I love that you're saying this. This is valuable for our audience because we have so many speakers who are authors who probably want to have an audiobook or don't have a coach and don't know where to start. So you just provided some really good starting points and knowing that if they don't have the chops for it today, it doesn't mean it's not possible in the future.
1: Well, that's also true because... It's a learning thing. I mean, a lot of benefits, to there are a lot of benefits to to voicing your own book. It reconnects you with the content, with your own writing. Uh, sometimes it even functions as an editing uh, situation because I've had authors where while we're recording, they have a note, oh, our editor missed <laughs> that. In the t- it's not pretty. So they're making notes about things they need to go back because no one has actually, actually read it out loud to hear the words in the structure of a sentence or something comes up. So, it can be an editing tool. It, it uh, connects them with the their, their writing and the essence of the content they've created. And, and and also, they become better mic technicians. You know, they know how to work a microphone, which is very handy if you're doing podcasts, for example, as a guest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So today, we're talking about voice brand. Tell us what a voice brand is.
1: <laughs> so I, I, I sort of nibbled on this a little bit. It's hard for me not to because I get pretty passionate about it. Um, so the thing about voice brand is it sounds like a, it's kind of a clever little name that I came up with. I used to say you should this is back to your original question uh, Mr. Author Mrs. Author, whoever Miss author you're the voice of your brand you're your connectivity to market you should voice your own book okay and so uh not that I'm convincing them but I'm I'm you know I'm sort of reinforcing confidence around you'll be fine you can do this. The truth is it's a lot more than just talking into a microphone um, uh, and now more than ever with audio, but I think it was always true. Even if you're doing video, the way you deliver um, uh, through the words you speak and how you say what you're going to say, how you make people feel along with the content, the blend, the Venn diagram of all of that stuff sort of fitting together is your voice brand. It's it's a promise you make through the empathy of your delivery, through um, your understanding of how to communicate your ideas clearly in a way that where your some of it's technical. You're modulating your what I'll call musical uh, in the way that you speak, and so all of these things are your voice brand. Even the decision to use your voice as a communication platform to audience, whether it's through podcasting or audiobooks, is your voice brand. So as a, as a, an entrepreneur in the business of capturing voice and connecting those voices to the world, it's, I'll admit, to some degree, this was a marketing sort of sort of branding moment where I said, hmm, they're the voice of their brand. Let's just call it, you're the voice brand. And let's create this thing called a voice brand. Now, I, I can't tell you that I've actually, and you're inspiring me to do this, to actually define voice brand maybe more coherently and, and more carefully. And more distinctly. Uh, but it, it really grew out of this idea that that uh, as a, a narrator of whatever or the host of your podcast, you are communicating a lot more than just a, the sound of your voice. It's this entirety of your brand.
0: Huh. So that's how, with your company, you can convey your voice brand through podcasting, through audiobooks, basically any hmm. audio experience, that's where your, your, your voice brand is coming through.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly right. It's the medium uh, that we're using. Um, those two methods, which are the most common right now, I think, in terms of the, the, the consumption of audio has just been exploding. You and I were talking about this before we started rolling. It's just, we've been on the the good end of that, uh, you know, sort of like parking your your business model in front of a tsunami. It's been marvelous. And all the others that are in this business too. It's really, really been a lot of fun.
0: So, This morning I was reading an article on LinkedIn that Amy Cuddy posted. Do you know her? She's the creator or researcher from Harvard who made the power pose popular. She has a really famous Ted talk on the subject. And there was an infographic that she posted about uh, how leaders need to lead with warmth and then strength. But if they lead with strength and then warmth, people are intimidated and scared and they don't want to follow them. And so it really comes Mm. down to the tone of their voice, starting with Mm. a warm sort of inviting tone and then showing how strong they are and then everyone wants to follow them. And I just thought I yeah, yeah, me too. And I wondered if when you're developing a voice brand with someone, are you going down to that sort of granular of a level or are you more thinking about the words they're using and the platform and the different tools?
1: It's a great question. Um, it sounds a little bit like some of the work Benet Brown is doing uh, around uh, hard, what is it, soft front, hard back and uh, and uh, um, something hard. Anyway, um, you're reminding me of that. But in terms of this uh, discussion about voice, it really is a lot. I mean, it's interesting, our, <clears throat> the, the, the way we modulate, well, here, let me just start by saying, and I've said this to my staff internally about even our sales process and, and our production process. How you make people feel is much more important than what you say and what you know. So I think I naturally practice that when I engage people, let's say, in a sales conversation or a conversation about a partnership with a publisher or with a new podcaster that we're bringing in. I think I, I practice it even in my own communications. When we're working with with different authors, um, there, there's this balance between particularly authors who are not voiceover talent. We're not we have to realize that we're not really going to be able to teach them how to speak again uh, you know in a whole new way. It's just not a practical idea and it's not who they really are. It's not their authentic self. Um, but that said, I think a lot of the listening we do as we're producing them has to do with pace, uh, modulation, and um, what I'll call the musicality of how this empathy or this warmth as you describe it is coming across. And I, I, I think, you know, you're, you're only going to – not everyone has the same capacity to be receptive to the – to the direction. So we have to be sensitive to that um, as we work with folks, because if we cause them to overthink how they're uh, delivering, uh, we're going to have a difficult recording session because they will be overthinking everything and uh, striving for um, some imagined perception, or perfection rather, that uh, they think is necessary when it really isn't, they just need to be themselves. It does take some time for some of our authors And some of the best authors uh, I've worked with, the first chapter, the first, you know, the intro, the beginning one of the sessions, the series, of sessions we do, is kind of stiff and a little bit measured and self-conscious. And then what I find happens is, is that they begin to settle in after they're reading for a certain amount of time, they're hydrated, they're relaxed, now I know, okay, here's the microphone, here's what I sound like in the headphones as I'm reading, many of them aren't even used to hearing themselves. So... Um, there's this settling into the zone that happens and they start to find their voice. Well, the voice brand maybe, but their voice if for this, the purposes of recording. And um, you know, one of the things they say to them when we first sign up, when they first sign up with us is that there's no... Um, expectation that you're going to need to read fluidly pages page after page without, a, uh, without a retake or a restart. This is natural in production. And you and I know this from producing and being on mic a lot, but, uh, but people that aren't experienced they assume that they just have to read it as though they're editing as they go. And so part of what puts them at ease is the idea that we're going to granularly edit, uh, all of the audio to make it a seamless experience for the listener. Um, But I think the core of what you're asking is about this emotional content. And I think that does prevail over the uh, intellectual side, if you will.
0: Yeah. You're doing a great job role modeling tone and cadence. And (laughs) the look on your face right now is so funny. Oh, gosh.
1: I'm a drummer. I can't help myself. It's (laughs) like, uh, I could beatbox too, but that would be scary. Okay.
0: Um, so <laughs> I'm wondering how much of the way that you present yourself today and your yeah. voice and your inflection, everything is training and how much of it is what you came to the table with. And I don't, hopefully I'm that's articulated correctly. No,
1: it's beautiful. However, you're, it's your authentic voice brain, <laughs> Angela. So, uh, you so you're asking me personally, David. Yeah. Thank you for the question and the sort of the, the kudos. So, I, you know, I'm a guy that produced a lot of singers and musicians and voiceover people from the studio side with advertising clients for many, many years. So, I had a lot of years of of listening conditioning. But I will tell you, when I first started my my first podcast, which I started in myself before I was in the business of producing podcasts, it was called Small Biz America. It's still out there. It's just we're not in production anymore. It was an interview, interview, wide interviews with all kinds of entrepreneurs, uh, uh, experts. It was back when you know it wasn't as specific and as targeted and as nichey uh, that it probably should have been. But it was new. I was new to it, and podcasting was still new. When I first legged into that, I asked uh, some music producer friends of mine because I couldn't be objective, even though I had so much production experience about my own voice and I, it took me a while to figure out that the power is in the consonants not the vowels that i needed to vibrate my vocal cords more this is sort of technical but i'll just share it yeah. i was sort of i was sort of wispy and sort of being breathy and i needed to be more you know more of the you know the uh, a chest voice and um you know, I'm not technically trained, but I think because I've written so much music for so many different kinds of genres, and because I'm a drummer and I'm very sensitive to rhythm, uh, that I have I've assimilated some natural amount of of, of technique without the training. And um, so that's you know that's not an easy answer because um, there are a lot of marvelous vocal coaches out there that really can help equip you. But I think in the end, um, it shouldn't be a technical exercise. And this is true of music too. You really need to integrate the creative with the technique so that it's not feeling measured and overly self-conscious and too precise. Yeah. so um and, and you and I know this from editing podcasts in fact, one of the questions I asked you is do you do a hard edit or or not so much do you leave it natural and in uh, not so much with audiobooks uh because the rules provi- prohibit it for the most part but in podcasting many much of this is just a natural ongoing flowing thing and it's not terribly pristine-. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any exercises you could teach or share with us to help people? Yeah, be I'm less not, I not. don't
1: call myself, a, sorry, I, didn't <laughs> interrupt. I don't call myself a vocal coach. But there are, first of all, some deep breaths before you start is great for the nerves. Uh, the next thing is we all like to drink coffee. But the truth is, is that you want to stay really hydrated when you go on mic. Um, I even sound a tad dry right now today might be a little I'm a little nervous because I'm not I don't do these as often as uh, so I have my water here. Um, tea with uh, lemon, non-caffeinated tea with lemon and honey is really good to just loosen up the uh, all of the, um, the mechanisms of the voice. The other thing you can do to warm up, and I'll step back from the mic, is modulating with buzzing your lips. And singers do this stuff. It really exercises your lung capacity so that you can speak in longer phrases without having to take a breath. And, um, so that's a good one. Um, uh, maybe my momu, you know, there are several techniques. And again, I, I don't even want to pretend that I'm a, um, a vocal coach, but I will say as orators, I have heard this and I like it. And I don't always, I can't always make a habit of it, but the power in your speech is in the consonants, not the vowels. So closing words sound compelling and powerful and engaging it's not as natural for me to do that. I'm demonstrating it as I go, but it's kind of interesting, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I've actually never heard that, the powers and the consonants. In my first job when I was a junior in high school, I worked at a telemarketing company. And on my first day at training, one of the in the first hour, they said to us, When you're making phone calls, smile because the person you're talking to can hear your smile. And I would sit there all night long for five, six hours smiling at my cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> i looked crazy everybody looked crazy though so it was okay but do yeah. you do you talk about that that element of the smile bringing a certain type of energy to a podcast or to an audiobook? Do, yeah you do
1: i would say yeah i do it comes up more with the audio sometimes there's there's a darkness to the tone it's a little darker like this and if they write it up there's more teeth in the sound and you have to remind them that in hydration keeps it crispy And keeps it brighter. And I think it's easier to listen to a bright sounding voice than it is listen to something that's a little darker like this. And again, what happens with authors, they're not professional voiceovers. They're not necessarily technically trained, although I've had a few that are, but um, usually not. They're usually technicians that are, they wrote a business book or it's a memoir or or whatnot and they're the voice brand and they're doing it. Um, It's this combination of trying to get the best performance naturally out of them without trying to take on the, uh, task of training them how to speak on a microphone. It's just too much to do while you're producing the product. So we there's some training in the process itself does teach them. They're hearing themselves on the mic, which is just something they're not used to, and uh, it gets them used to hearing their own voice. And that feedback of hearing themselves brings them in. I think with podcasting, it's always true that if you smile, you're going to have a brighter sound, but podcasting is about being real. And so it's not always about Maybe sounding bright and happy, it might be that he wants some darkness in there. So this is sort of a, an acting moment that we're talking about here, where you might want to tap into the darker side and maybe not not be as bright. So I think there's just more room for uh, for uh, play in that model.
0: Yeah, I want to get practical for a minute. Imagine, sure. I mean, I am a speaker, but let's say I'm a speaker and I have some books and I wanna I come to your company because I want to build a voice brand what's the process you would take me to take me through to determine what my voice brand is or how to build one just from a like mm. step-by-step process well what's
1: interesting and thank you for the question and it points to the fact that I haven't developed a step-by-step method as of yet but we can talk about it maybe a little more casually and loosely that might be insightful and somewhat illuminating and at least about how I think of this. So first of all, there's a huge difference between speaking in a room full of people and fo- this focused thing we do when we're reading a script on a microphone in the case of an audiobook, book, which I think is where you're more going than the podcast side, which is more just conversational a lot of times or an interview. Um, so sometimes we're tasked with um, helping the speaker understand that this is going to feel lonelier. <laughs> it's just you and a producer and a microphone and someone's ear at the other end. And I do think that uh, imagining, using the imaginative sort of imagery to, to imagine this person on the other end of the microphone with your earbuds. It's, it's an audience of one. I think that really is a, a great technique to help focus the voice brand thing to, to, to that they know that there's just one listener as opposed to all of you out there in podcast land or all of you out there in audio land, um, a vocal or a radio coach said this to me, a guy named I Libson in out of Dallas years ago. So just think of—he said what I just said. Think of your microphone as someone's ear. It's an intimate one-to-one relationship as opposed to a one-to-many, which many speakers may be used to, and that's the way you do a room. I think. I guess maybe you focus on a certain person to help you. When I don't do live, a lot of live speaking to large groups, and do you? Let me ask you a question. Do you find that f- focusing on one person in the audience can help you focus your voice brand and sort of channel the energy?
0: I don't focus on one person to try to channel energy I do it I try to find a person who's smiling <laughs> so that I can be reminded that the people who are sitting there are enjoying what's going on and it just feels like a positive experience I try to find one in each corner of the room so I'm not just focusing on one person but I'm looking around yeah and, and uh, seeing yeah, you're sort of mobilizing, smiles yeah
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. So you're actually looking for the feedback. So this is sorely missing when, you know, you're doing voice branding into a microphone than doing voice branding into a live room. So maybe part of the the, sort of the backstory to your question, if you will, is is this, um, the application of your voice in different places in different ways. Um, This is interesting. For for, for example, me being the guest on a podcast is hugely different than me being the host of a podcast, where it's my domain. And this is really my voice brand, and my job. I mean, it varies between different formats of podcasting, whether it's really a Q and A, or whether you're how are you positioning yourself in terms of the the guests, and you know, it, there's all that, uh, and everyone's different at it. But these are the, these are the questions we should be asking. You know, how do we want to show up in the podcast with our voice? Uh, are we an authority? Are we curious? Are we uh, um, Uh, Really just trying to serve our audience and and facilitate great knowledge capital transferring to our audience, you know, it's a, we're trying to grow our business and be, you know, the big expert and the guest is along for the ride. That doesn't sound so positive. But all of these things are part of our personality that gets expressed through voice, the voice brand. So I hope that's helpful.
0: Yeah, it is. And I've been thinking a lot about my own brand, and one thing I have like a secret desire to be a stand-up comedian. And I've done some stand-up comedy and realized you kind of have to do it full-time if you're really going to do it. Do it, and then I was like, well, I'm wow. actually a public speaker, so why don't I just incorporate comedy into my speeches because I'm already on the stage? You know, like let's not <laughs> overthink this. Um, so part of my brand is humor, and having a a playful tone. And so I think a lot about that when I'm recording a podcast or writing a blog post or putting out a Mm. social media post so that I can remember that part of myself. Cause I think sometimes Mm. being in a space where you're a coach and you're training people, it can feel more like this is about information and inspiration, not humor, you know? So I think, um, thinking more about the voice brand, the tone and the way I'm showing up that it all, it all comes together It all. It's all part of the puzzle.
1: It is all part of these, these different pieces that are. It's really an integration in a lot of ways, and then it's contextual depending on if it's a room or it's a microphone or it's a podcast or it's an audiobook. Uh, I love, and you do have a very uh, you have a lightness. That in your attitude of your voice, if I closed my eyes and didn't see that you were smiling, it feels like you're smiling. This is a lot of what we're pointing to here, and it, it it's fun to listen to you as you speak. So, you're I think you're very uh, successfully achieving this this uh, sort of fun fun. Again, you're making it's it's back to how you make people feel in in your listeners. How you make your listeners feel is probably more important than the actual words you're saying.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Thank you. Well, the way that you, you're making me feel is that you know what you're talking about and you're someone that I'd want to talk about this more with and find yeah. out the process of writing or, you know, recording an audiobook. And I have seven books and I don't have one audiobook. And so you're making me think more about that. And hopefully yeah, for everyone too. listening, they're having that same sort of thought process. Of, oh, maybe this is something I could do. And I don't have to be a trained professional to walk in the door and ask the question. So I think right there, that's a valuable insight and maybe um change of mindset for people who don't have the experience behind the microphone.
1: Yeah, I think it's a confidence building pr- process. Minimally, look, it'll be good, it'll be a good performance and most and otherwise we'll stop because we'll know. And you're gonna learn how to do it better. Yeah. And so what's wrong with that kind of a thing, right? <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to promote today? Anything you're working on or doing?
1: Well I hesitate to say promotion, but we're here to help um authors Speakers, thought leaders, podcasters get their voice connected to the world. We, we're essentially a production studio, and you can find out more about how we do what we do. There's some videos on the website, there's information. You can reach out and do a free, you know, 30 minute call to talk about your project. Uh, it's Audivita.com is the website. There's a contact page there, or you can just email me directly at D W O L F, like my last name, D Wolf at Audivita.com.
0: Perfect. And we will link to your website in the show notes so people can connect with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, David. This was a ton of fun and lots of good information about building a voice brand.
1: Great to be with you, Angela. Thanks for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen so more people can find us. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and it's recorded in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Chris Collins. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.